What's that weird noise? Can we have it as a sound effect? I like it. Hi, uh, you're listening to Unsung Podcast. I'm, I'm your, your host. I'm Mark, your host, Mark, Mark Forzer. Mark Forzer. Mark Forzer. <laughs> I'm your host, Mark Forzer. And like, it's all gone downhill already. Uh, sorry, take the, there's been a couple of shandies. Take the fences down, and he <laughs> fucking runs wild. Does Mister Chris Kusak? <laughs> uh, like, I'm joined by two men who, like me, have their trousers around their ankles as we proceed to wank over the past fifty-two weeks of years. Well, it feels like fifty years, fifty-two weeks of stunning content that we have created. S- certainly seamless because we have never missed a week. We have, however, had weak weeks. We've had weak weeks. We've had weeks when <laughs> weeks we, have been weak. Well, yeah, I suppose. But it's weeks? fine. Have you guys tried listening to the early episodes again? We spoke about no. this before. Yes, I have. <laughs> <laughs> tried. <laughs> Nobody likes the first three episodes of anything they record. <laughs> um, my my biggest fear is when someone's like, oh, you know, I heard about the podcast. I'm going to go back and listen to it from the start. Yeah, you're like, no, 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 that's fine. Start at maybe 34, 35 maybe. Just go back to number 10, you'll be fine from there. Yeah, no, but that's fine. The first few of any Do you know what this podcast is is like? Have you ever seen the film Starman starring Patrick Swayze? Starman Starring Patrick Swayze. Is it Patrick Swayze that's in it? Oh, I should know if it's a Patrick Swayze film because my girlfriend and I... Because you spit at animals, no, Patrick Swayze. when we we <laughs> first got together, we decided we were going to watch... Your fiancé, Dave. Oh, my fiancé, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We decided we were going to watch every Patrick Swayze movie and then rate them and find the most Patrick Swayzeist movie. Can you check if Starman is uh, a Patrick And I don't Swayze. remember that one. But, I mean, we actually... We chose 10. Starman... May not be movie. on that list. Uh... Jeff Bridges. Oh, it fucking is Jeff Bridges. Fucking of Jeff course. Bridges, you mental. God damn, but he's young. Oh, it's a John Carpenter as well. Yeah, so Starman, where the alien comes down, becomes a human, and even though he's remarkably, from appearances, he's old, he is but a babe <laughs> <laughs> mentally. And that is much like this podcast because even though we sound like we know what we're doing and we're all old as fuck, especially me, <laughs> uh, we are but children. Learning the ways of the world and podcasting, and therefore everything is deeply flawed, but also naive and well-meaning. I mean, that's beautiful in some way. <laughs> I'm really sorry it wasn't Patrick Smith. <laughs> uh, do you know what we we ended up? Choosing as the most Patrick Swayze stuff We ranked them Can I take yes your top well, three? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll tell you what three. I ranked them on though <sighs> We ranked them on uh, how good his hair looks No uh, Romance mm. Violence Violence uh, Violins or violence? Amount of Swayze <laughs> And oh, What was the other one? I can't remember There was another one So for instance Can I guess the top three? Yes you can Roadhouse Yeah One Point Break You Guess the top three But And then I'll <sighs> tell you what order um, Point Break right Come on Yeah Point Roadhouse, Break ro- uh, Roadhouse ro- Point ro- Break Roadhouse Point Break Dirty Dancing With uh, uh, Donnie Darko somewhere no, Donnie Darko is way down there because there's not much and he's not very romantic because he's a paedophile. Uh, no, uh, Roadhouse, I think, actually got number one. Yeah, the throat ripping of scene course. in that is legendary. Uh, Point Break was number two and I actually think Ghost might have been number three. Ghost is, oh, Ghost is fuck max yeah. number one. Yeah, we're not, we're not talking about Shit. best films. Uh, no, no, no. But Even just from 
You're in right, terms of those goals, was a got ahead of Dirty Dancing. I, I think, think in 2019 we should have a, a feature going forward, which is like the most Swayze moment in any record. <laughs> yeah, I'm down with that. <laughs> the most Patrick Swayze moment. <laughs> oh my god, um, that's going to really lead to a lot of like bias in the records we cover. <laughs> yeah, we're all going to take the Swayze road. So it is. Christmas almost well kind of is is it Christmas that's no, the sound that's, of, I just the beer that's the sound of, of a weird <laughs> can of beer opening a 360 can apparently yeah it just makes a mess when does oh, this get out Mark oh, this goes out between Christmas and New Year yeah so the first episode will go out on the Friday after Christmas and the second one is the 28th after New Year hope you had a good Christmas folks hope you got your presents we Mm. recorded this well in advance because we are clocking out (laughs) David's way back to Tenerife Chris got his presents I did quite nice I got David a picture disc of Chesney Hawks that's seriously one of the greatest presents I've ever had I got an Iron Monkey double disc, so I'm pretty happy with that. And a pretty Snellis novel. You got a really good book. Um, By the way, they made a film of that book. We talked about it on a podcast. Yeah. And they missed the most important part of the book out, which is why I got it. Vampires. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So, Chris. Prefest, 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 hey, prefest. Is that a Jamaican accent? Hey, prefest. <laughs> <laughs> he prefaced it, prefaced it. He basically said that, spoiler alert, there's vampires in this, and I haven't read the book, so well, I've never fucking <laughs> mouth room. I've not so. even told them the name of the book. Called, you you don't, did don't on that episode. Them. Don't tell them. Fine. I mean, okay. Brace Snellis, vampires, there's not many of those books out there. I'm pretty sure you can probably find them if you Google it. <laughs> Dave, are you happy with the rest of your haul? Oh yeah, and then you got me a gift for Johnny Depp's ED. for Johnny Depp but a book about hipsters uh, yeah thanks and I much. thought you'd like that because last week we established you were a Carly Ray Jepsen hipster Carly hipster uh, I mean you can but you can absolutely get me a flannel shirt and make fun of me yeah that's true that is I have given you free license to mock you are my wearing a flannel shirt right stupid now. ass white credentials yeah you should buy him a, um, a vanilla ice CD <laughs> <laughs> the fuck no you should you should buy me like Creed or some shit no, I don't. No, I mean, you just define yourself, Christopher. There's no point in going in parroting I, your taste. I identify as a parody. You, <laughs> you identify as a Steve Albini bass tone, and that's <laughs> Steve Albini bass tone. <laughs> Doesn't even play bass, man. That's Bob Weston. Yeah, I know, but a Steve Albini bass tone, like on an album. Anyway, shop. If you, if you were to categorize yourself as a Steve Albini sound, what would you produce based on? Yeah. Oh, I'd probably, I'd like to say his uh, vocals in Big Black. Really? Yeah, just a bit. Tired. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I agree with that, man. <laughs> uh, I would like to be Steve Albini's 
Uh, well, what about L? What, what? Well, I was just about to say what item of in in the in the song. What body uh, part would you like no, to be? I actually, have an answer. Yuri G by P G Harvey. I would like to be the bell ride symbol. Well, there you go. I would be uh, the discarded mix of a neutral. <laughs> <laughs> Before Scott Lick got involved, you'd be the shit version of Penny Realty. Basically, yeah. <laughs> or, or, or one of his jumpsuits. Ooh. Oh, that cool belt that he wears that he puts the guitar on. The fucking poker tournaments he plays in all the time because he's always fucking, because he loses so much money that so he's got to win it and back in poker. <laughs> when Alamos went across there to record their second album, they got heavily drawn into Steve Albini's poker... Uh, fixation it's, That's a pretty heavy fixation Yeah But he's a, he's actually Quite a nice guy He's a bit serious Good band name that but he's Steve Albini's Poker Fixation <laughs> Sounds like A bit like Gay for Johnny Depp Yeah I know <laughs> so, Exactly uh, Mathy Kind of Post metally Stuff Anyway Come so on. we do have some sort of structure to these we have a, we have a point here, yeah. So we asked a bunch of people who allegedly listen to this podcast what they would like us to reflect upon from the last 52 weeks of our lives uh, as regards music and the broad remit of Unsung. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have simmered that down and reduced it down like a fine sugo mm, to uh, gravy. Eight, <laughs> eight tomato questions. <laughs> eight tomato questions. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to address over, I mean, this is just going to get worse, uh, over the next uh, two weeks or two episodes. What are you doing to your foot, by the way? Are you doing wax on, wax off? <laughs> My foot's got a wee bit dead, so I'm going to move it. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're doing it a very sensual way. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my it's God. It's the most perfect way to do it. Literally. Yeah, I know it is. <laughs> literally, everything I do is unavoidable. I feel like you could maybe do the uh, Oh what is it Fucking What do they do with the Pottery The pottery scene In Ghost I think you were trying to do With your your feet I've tried that Have you actually tried that (laughs) Tell us more (laughs) You'll be getting it as a present Oh yeah (laughs) Um, Anyway So Do we have A first question From part one I don't know So we do have some like okay, so I wasn't so thorough in my note taking as to attribute these to particular people, but we have some rough folks to thank who are regular commenters and contributors. Mark, yeah, we have Tommy Simpson, who's mm-hmm. a who's a really good guy and was right. our first regular contributor on a monthly basis. Thanks Tommy Gunn, Tommy, thank Tommy, Tommy Gunn, Tommy Smith, Craig Scott, uh, Davy Bright. Uh, we've got Canadian Cat. Canadian yep. cat who I think has a question up soon. We've got yep, she's on this episode. Her question will be coming at you, coming at your heart. Uh, we've got uh, we've got Anna Goldthorpe. Anna Goldthorpe, or uh, also our interviewee. Uh huh. Um, oh yeah, Fritz. We've big Fritz. Big Fritz. Fritz the Fraser Stewart. Uh, VJ. Um, VJ. VJ. The perpetual thorn in our side. Yes. Mm-hmm. The the constant pain in the ass. Someone has to be. <laughs> I mean, but in a productive way, in mm. that she's. Challenging our assertions at every turn. Uh, we've got Ryan Taylor, Sean O'Tierney. We've got Gavin Britton, Colin O'Hara. Yep, Colin O'Hara, Gavin Britton, Greg Gorey, Fergus Wilkie. Jan Stewart. Uh, Hazel Burgess, Owen Hutchings. Uh, who else? Michael O'Keefe, is that right? Michael O'Keefe. Uh, yep. They've got Nicholas Thompson. We also have... Colin Andrew, Jackson Brown. Andrew Drennan. That, that jumps out because it sounds like he made his name up. 
Mr. Jason Costello. Jay Costello. I know that guy because I play in a band with him. That doesn't count. He's obliged to be nice to me. But he take up his 40 quid, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> Again, that's his rent. That's his rent to be my pal. Um, <laughs> Probably is. <laughs> we'll try and think of more of these names. Daniel uh, Rothwell, who, who donated £6.66 to us. Oh, Daniel. <laughs> props. Um, David's giving you the devil horns right now. Um, Okay, so if we forgot your names, it's purely because I've smashed about a third of a bottle of Jameson so far. Uh, but we will try and remember them as we go. Also, a special shout out to Jared Threaten for being a cunt. <laughs> what a lad. I don't he's know, gone I fucking. He's just. He's, he's got, it's got native, bigger man. and bigger now. He's just, on, we were on. in there early. Also, need to say, say a shout out to Krista Chopic, who runs Jasper PR, who's been talking about us on Twitter constantly. Jasper PR. Giving been... his money. Yep. Uh, also, put us on our top podcasts of. 2018 so big shout out to her Jasper too. PR have been awesome there's been a few people actually who've been really nice via Twitter uh, the people that did the Chelsea Wolf the Greek fan club for yep. that really cool uh, the members of the band Low were really mm-hmm. nice uh, Kurt Ballou from yep. Converge uh, has Train Dodge themselves Train well. Dodge the band mm-hmm. really fucking appreciate what you guys have done uh, yeah we've had some really nice shares and props and of course the wonderful Jonah Wonderful Jonah Tranga. Uh, we're going to leave uh, an extra special mention to her. It's just really nice that, actually because Jonah came back and played in Glasgow recently and at the show gave a big shout out to the podcast. Which is the weirdest thing I've ever experienced in a long time. Uh, I know, he's playing Water and Solutions, you know, watching a fucking classic album yeah, and then like, you get a mental shout out halfway through. I, was oh, I had an actual super beamer. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, it's us guys. I was standing uh, next to David time and I was like, oh fuck. Um, it is one of those weird situations where you end up like through the thing you're doing uh, getting to know somebody that you've really respected and admired and that whole bullshit about never meet your heroes, fuck that. It's not true. Like, your heroes are humans and some of them will disappoint you and some of them will absolutely live up to their expectations and it's been a an absolute privilege to be that guy. Like, oh. uh, he is a lovely, lovely guy. Um, thanks to guys like Ben Power, super guys, been in touch. Yeah, big shout out to Jeff Irwin, who I was speaking to on Facebook and we will get on the podcast at some point. He he did speak about... Of Wellhaven? Yep, he did speak about the record that we done. Um, Carpe Diem. Carpe Diem, sorry. <laughs> Jesus, man. Couple just, beers. Don't worry, you guys just... David, see unfinished this, sentences and this I'll is the point them where David you. not drinking makes sense I know I know <laughs> so, I'll drive you home sorry. metaphorically um, as well as physically <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's been a heady 52 weeks uh, it's been really really good fun and we've met some lovely people uh, as we say we'd really love to expand the interview part of it um, also uh, thanks to Brea Quinn who is the only other person we've interviewed who we didn't give a mention to Brea who's part of the duo Bratticus with her sister Ona mm-hmm. a really really excellent young Scottish band along with so many more and we'll try and cast more of a light onto some of the bands coming out of that scene as we go and also a big shout out to Exterior who played our club night last Saturday oh my god Doug exterior like that is like this is a guy who started in alt rock was sounded like shellac and has turned his hand to electronic music and in the last 12 months it's Doug is absolutely killing it that new project and uh, I'm pretty sure that in the next 12 months it'll be someone that you'll be trying to see as opposed to us convincing you to see but yeah so 
Let's do some questions. Yeah, let's uh, do some questions. Sorry, that took so. a while, but we're, we're working off the top of our heads here. Because the joy of doing a Christmas special is you don't need to sit there with loads of prepared notes. Yeah. Although I have some prepared notes. So let's keep going bananas. <laughs> I've just got answers. Well, see... <laughs> got one-line so answers. For, is that for, enough? For the helmet episode, I had about 16 pages of notes. And for this... Uh, really? I you ha- couldn't tell. I have two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of the things we'll be releasing on our website in 2019 is uh, Chris Cusack's unsung encyclopedia. <laughs> <laughs> so the first uh, question... Of the 2018 uh, Christmas special was Is that a Jamaican uh, accent. That's <laughs> <laughs> exactly that. Um, what was the best discovery encountered while doing research for an episode? So who wants to go first? Mr. So in this, you know, we mean like record that you hadn't heard before. Yep. New thing or something song. else. Or record or, or song. song. Like anything, anything musical that you discovered during research. Uh, well, for me, it was an entire album that we covered. It was uh, Songs of Higher. The whole place is dark. Every light on this side of the town. Oh really? Yeah. Wow. Because I know you liked it, but I didn't know you'd come back to it. That's pretty cool. Yeah, no, I really, really liked it. And it was this it's probably the album that I hadn't heard before that stayed with me the most. I was like, Oh, why the fuck have I not listened to that before? It's beautiful. I'm like shedding a little tear right now. Yeah. <laughs> so proud. It's really, really good. <laughs> it is a fucking beautiful album. Yeah. It's yeah. A great record. And one of the one of the things we did that most closely aligns with the whole mission of what what we spoke about before we even started this when we were in the pub talking about it and we said like what it was can- Magnolia Electric coming out of the album by the way just in case if you haven't listened to well, it well we had that whole ambiguity about yeah, it about yeah. was it Songs Ohio or was it Magnolia but it's I think that album as much as any other that we've done is an album that is grossly underrepresented yeah uh, given sure. the the magnificence of it I mean it's an album that since we've done it I've represented to people in the forms of playlists and things like that and it Always is one of the standout tracks. It's like, what is this? Why do I not know about it? Jason Molina's work is beautiful. He's an incredible artist. I'm really, really glad that it made such an impression as well. And I think, as I mentioned in that podcast, I owe. Uh, Dave Warner, um, my bandmate, for introducing me to Songs of Higher and Magnolia Electric Company, Jason Molina, in the first place. So I can't claim credit for that. But uh, that is definitely one of the highlights of, from my perspective, of being able to bring to the table. That was on my top five. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, that record, a couple of songs, I think three songs at least from that record showed up in my Spotify top 100 songs of the year. Oh, black hair. That being one of them. (laughs) Yeah. It's a, I mean, that's just a, it's, I was going to say it's a joyful record, but it's not. No, it's sad, but it's, it's, it is a, it is a wonderful album. It's, it's a gorgeous. Record, yeah. Absolutely and I listen gorgeous. to it, I listen to it at least once a week. It's, it's, it's amazing. Amazing. Oh, For amazing. me, Best Discovery, I can kind of break this down on any songs and records. Mm-hmm. Um, City by Strapping Young Lad, I still listen to that oh, regularly. Oh yeah, I forgot that you hadn't heard it. I forgot you well. heard it. Yeah. I am doing well. Yeah. Particularly <laughs> All Hail the New Flesh, which I listen to fucking quite a lot. <laughs> Um, she must be fucked up. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. Yeah, 
also Machine Gun by Portishead listen to that tune oh, yeah, how that's good, such a track a how good is that fucking album yeah honestly And I think from an album point of view, um, it's one I discovered it was, uh, fuck, I can't remember. It's a Melvin's record, the one Kirk Cobain produced. Oh, Houdini. Yeah, Houdini, I listened to that a yeah, lot We did well. that in the Grunge yeah. podcast and yeah. Houdini is a brilliant album. Yeah. The song Honey Bucket on that is yeah. superb. So uh, that's probably the best discovery I had. Those are the, the best discoveries I've had for sure. Cool. Um, also Blonde Redhead, that record's a good record, but mate, I've not listened to it as much as I've listened to other stuff. Did, oh, did I get in? I did not get didn't in. Get did not get in. Didn't get in. We may talk about that okay. later. Mm-hmm. Um, also Mishaga, Dave. So I have to say, like that that will appear later in my list. Mashuga was a real fucking discovery for me in terms of I knew about Mashuga, I'd listened to Mashuga, but I'd never really got Mashuga. Yeah. And Catch Thirty Three was the fucking gateway drug for me actually learning to appreciate this f- amazing band, like yeah, really, really brilliant band. You unlocked that with that recommendation and I've been able to reap the rewards by going through the other stuff because they're a hard band to get into yeah they definitely are but I and I always find that an album will come out and then I understand that album three years later <laughs> Fuck, totally. and I'm like <laughs> totally. oh I suddenly get Coloss and I'm just waiting for you know the last record to Absolutely, click with me man. It's, it's dense it's yeah. like it's really challenging stuff for me the takeaways have mostly been in songs I think rather than albums Dave, you're going to fucking hate me for this a wee bit. Mm-hmm. It's the most recent. So when we were researching the Carly Rae Jepsen episode, yeah. uh, as part of that, I listened to Paramore and the song Hard, as- Hard Times. Oh, <laughs> I fucking knew you to that, man. <laughs> what a fucking tune that is. <laughs> Changed, Chris. You yeah, have changed. changed. My goodness. To be fair, it's a banger, but it is totally like you can totally hear Carly Jepsen influence in that song, like fucking hundred percent. Here's the thing, though. Like, that is the that is clearly the point where Paramore is not a band anymore. Like Paramore yeah, is, they are now pop. They are a pop they're project. A pop. You can hear Carly Rae Jepsen. You can hear Churches. You yeah. can hear all these kind of like mainstream kind of indie corp. What was it called? Mindy mm-hmm. pop artists in that song. They are not a band in the strictest sense anymore there are other concerns involved but it is a fucking brilliant it's song it's a banger man yeah. it's absolutely tremendous what I think is an interesting thing is I'm not saying I pirated it I'm not admitting to anything I may or may not have got the, the for the first time in my life an email from my broadband provider <laughs> saying we have reason to believe that 
such and such record was downloaded on your really? I've, I've never had connection. That. I've never had that either. I may or may not have never had that before, <laughs> Mel. <laughs> but I may or may not have been like, what the fuck? Fuck you. Yeah. And literally have been told that I had been tracked and the, the, the email may or may not have had IP addresses. And that you have stolen this record dates, may or may not May have. or may not have stolen this record. And I was like, wow, this band may or may not be right now showing <laughs> how much their uh, alignment with this industry has changed yeah. because that is to, to have that kind of police well, force no listen to have that kind of police force on your case I mean the resources it must take to persuade broadband companies to may or may not pursue the illegal downloads of your album is massive so it, it, it really showed I mean that was that may or may not yeah. never happen to helmet <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you don't, you know about the Hayley Williams thing, though, right? The whole thing with that, her. That she's a person. Yeah, not like. So she she was she was signed very young in her teens to uh, was it Universal I think I know nothing Warner, about this. Band right? So basically, her. she was signed to a major record label in her teens, and in order to make her look more genuine, they had decided to align her with uh, Fuel by Ramen and get her banned, which band that band then became Paramore. This is like all fucking. What is Fuel by Ramen? Because I saw that coming so up. So Fuel by Ramen was a record label. Like a pop punk record. Label. I may or may not have seen that coming up. Well, <laughs> it's interesting because Fuel by Ramen were created by well, the guy for lesson, one of the guys for lesson, Jake, not not the bass player, the other guy with the spiky hair. He started a record label and then left it and started another one called Fuel by Ramen. But they end up they end up signing bands like Cute Is What We Aim For and Fall Out Boy and all that, and then they end up getting like picked up by a major label. Yeah. And then they started They were just special. really big in that pop punk mm. mid 2000s. Because scene. of those bands. Panic the Disco, All Time Low, all that mm. sort of shit. Yeah. Like big, big selling bands as well. Yeah, like, so, yeah eventually. Yeah, yeah they, they did become. Well, when they first signed Fallout Boy and stuff like that, they weren't like not a big selling band. But when they became, I think they're distributed by a major label, a lot of their bands now get that push. Um, and. The record company that the Hayley Williams was signed with deliberately found her the, the coolest major, minor and yeah, the label they subsidiary. could find. Yeah. Yeah. And how it, how it do you think it is that ramen. a girl gets signed? I mean, how does that happen that an she individual... She was, a, she was a Christian church bandy singer. Yeah, they just, you know... First they, found they, so an I've seen that happen like, in Glasgow. You know, you get signed on a publishing deal or, a, you know, a major record deal very early in your pop career and you might release a couple of singles that go nowhere but they're like oh, that's fine we'll just put you in a writing song camp with a bunch of producers for three years uh, and before we work out what we'll package you as next I mean this is super I, you know, fascinating because I didn't know anything about this right but how is it that a human being like a person walking down the street ends up being provisionally signed to a record label with no no record no band, no no specific project. So there's not. It's not like she's sending demos in mm-hmm. to Interscope. She is just signed as a human being with the potential to be in a band. Is it because she's attractive physically? It's probably got a large part to do with it. Yeah. What does that tell you about Haley Williams as a, a female icon in music? I mean, I see what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, but the man, same thing but... happens with male. Well, you know the same thing happens with uh, male pop stars as well but the same stigma doesn't apply because this is a man's world and I'm not being facetious I mean like the male gaze 
is what controls the industry. Mm-hmm. So a man being signed on the potential that he may be a marketable commodity is different from men, predominantly men, that run the music industry, vastly predominantly men, yeah. signing young women, attractive young women. I'm just amazed that you're surprised by this. No, I'm not. I'm not. But it's it, it's interesting to see it, one, so brazen, and two, in the form of a band like Paramore, which has definitely passed in the kind of, you know, I mean, like the gender says, passed as a legitimate, mm-hmm. oh, they started as a band, but now they're a pop project. It's like, no, they were always a pop project. They were literally signed, bespoke as individuals and assembled. That is fascinating. That is a really, really fascinating phenomenon. I think that's maybe something we can explore a little bit more on episodes next year. So that tune's a banger. It's a banger, though. Yeah, <laughs> great. Um, from the ep- from the other episodes we've done, uh, standout stuff. Um, Mark, I owe you a fair bit of these, man. Uh, I think the AFI episode. Uh, there's a few tracks I took away from that, oh, yeah. uh, specifically on Burials, mm. um, A Deep Slow Panic, 17 Crimes, and especially the song Greater Than 84, which I think is one of the best tunes we covered all year. 17 Crimes is a banger, I love that song. I think Greater Than 84 is the best song, I honestly do. I think I've mentioned this to you before, the song uh, White Crosses by Against That's Me. That's a really good song, man. <laughs> this summer, or at least late summer, White Crosses became my get-up anthem. Like, I had my phone set to start playing it, and even my, like my flatmate's uh, girlfriend was like, I fucking love it when I wake up in the morning and I hear <laughs> that song playing from your room. I absolutely fucking love that tune. It is so positive. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not even a particularly positive subject. It's, it's, no, it's, s- a, bit, it's a bit abortion. <laughs> but it's such a beautifully upbeat and proactive bit of music. I fucking love it. Like, if I'm six months, man, and you'll totally understand why I love Laura Jane Grace so much as a songwriter. The, the, I haven't, I haven't, I've, like, I was pretty, I don't know if I was ambivalent, I was reasonably positive on them, I I just didn't think any of the albums grabbed me. That song is a, it, it suggests the potential of that band though, I think it's superb, White Crosses. Um, I also think that uh, Halo by Depeche Mode. Even though that wasn't the focus or a single from that album, is a tremendous song. I think I said that episode as well. It's one of my favourite songs. Yeah, that record. I think it's, it's, it's a really it's great good. bit of music uh, that I probably would never have heard unless we'd done that album. And the song "Erlim" by Bjork from Vespertine. is a tremendous record uh, uh, sorry a tremendous track that again I probably would never because, she, because her back catalogue is so daunting it's mm. so big I, I would never have dug through it in that mm. way but listening to that album and Heirloom in particular really stayed with me no POS so, no but y- you know what 
P.O.S. The album is excellent. I can't say I listen to it often. I have probably listened to it a bunch. There are... I'm going to give mention to a couple of your suggestions later on. So I don't want to play my hand too Fair soon. Alright, so I guess... Uh, Question two then, which uh, question two is a little bit of my devising because I've been kind of banging this drum for months. In the run up to Christmas, I really wanted us each to get a little Christmas present as a reward for, you know, never missing a week. Uh, And so myself, Mark and David will all get to put one record that was denied entry into the canon, into the canon (laughs) <laughs> it was it's a thorny issue because you know it was denied <laughs> they were maybe denied on a good reason but I will going against democracy here guys we're Brexiting hey this is the time for that this is the, people, right. this is the this, people's vote <laughs> this is the era to against democracy I mean David if we dared put this to another public vote that would be anti-democratic yeah I know exactly that seems to be so the, the concept need to let the experts force yeah. it through the more people the more people <laughs> vote the less democratic it is yeah, yeah. so um, as we know we will take charge of that uh, and we will each put forward one of our recommendations that you guys, you idiots, <laughs> rejected. <laughs> idiots. So, uh, Mark, I'm going to nominate you first, man. Really? I, I've had a long, hard think about this, right? Yeah. And it's been the longest, hardest think <laughs> thing, thing you think that I've had of can, the entire 52 weeks. Tell from yeah, the yeah. lines in your face. <laughs> God, I'm getting old. Uh, and I, I think that if I'm going to have one record that's going to go in, I'm probably just going to go for Descendants. I'm yep. going to make jingle bell noises over that because that's your present. Because I won't... Because fart noises. Because fart noises. Particularly because of the song Blast Off. <laughs> uh, Spicy Ring, yeah. Our, our bands, maybe with the exception of VFI, the our bands that didn't go in, I'm probably going to put another record forward at some point in, in the future, whether that's in the near future or the distant future, I don't know. That makes sense. Um, that makes sense. Descendants, I like I like a lot of their records, but for me, it's still, that's still the one, and it's, it's, it's just got to be in there. I don't think I'll pick another one. Okay. That's cool. That's pretty cool. You know, that's an album that I did go back to and I really don't think it's a terrible album. I, I don't mean that. It's a good record. <laughs> in the way I rejected it. I just, I think a bit like, a bit like David was saying with Helmet mm. last week. As I mentioned that, that that episode, it's hard for me to unhear the shit that came after that album that drew upon it mm-hmm. in a negative way. And when I hear that album, I hear two decades of crap versions of that album and it's really hard to unhear that of that band because I mean it came out in the 2000s but yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. sorry I beg your pardon yeah but it's really hard for me to unhear two decades of crap imitations of Descendants mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm so turned off by those bands that yeah. as much as I genuinely tried to give it a fair hearing I'm not convinced that I totally did mm-hmm. so I've, I've like literally no reservations about that I, I fully accept Based on the, the, the testimony as well of friends of mine that are big pop punk fans that are like, they are really good. I'm like, okay, I just really couldn't get in it. I think so it, you are just stage. shitting all over his Christmas present right now. <laughs> You're deconstructing 
David, I'm Mr. Passive Aggressive. I think, it, I think it, what I would say is that. Can you not just be happy for the boy? <laughs> Santa's coming. You've decided to decide, tell him that Santa's a paedophile. <laughs> I think my dad. Santa's it. not a paedophile. He saw Santa kissing mommy. Mommy. Ah, Santa. I know. Daddy, <laughs> uh, I think my addendum probably to the the tenants episode. David, hang on. Do you not be, think that Mark, if he grayed a little, could look a little bit like Santa? Claus? I definitely would be. That's, that's what <laughs> I'm going for. He's wearing red as well. That's, yeah. what, that's what I'm going for. Fucking hell. But my addendum to that episode would be that um, it would have been really easy for descendants to be a crap version of themselves, given how long it's been since their last record. And yeah. I think it's really good for them to come out and do a record which is equally as good, in my opinion, as the stuff they've done in the past. So also yeah. our shortest ever episode. Yeah, yeah short record. Short, short, <laughs> short. Like a oh, third of the length of the Godspeed You Black Emperor episode. It's actually yeah, not, actually it's not, it's not as short as a, the, the Blonde Head Redhead episode, which really? is the shortest episode, yeah. Shit. Yeah. Well, that, that, that says a lot about my poor attempts to get that in. Speaking of Christmas presents, Christopher. My Christmas present. I was, I was a little conflicted. Um, I was happy that people listened to Animal Rights by Moby. I didn't. <laughs> I don't think they were. <laughs> hey, hey, be nice. Tis the season. Um, I break you down and make you. All right, I didn't really expect Moby to get in. Right? <laughs> yeah, we said that at the time. But no, no, but genuinely. Sometimes it's so easy to write somebody off without actually investing time in it. And sometimes a person doesn't deserve you to invest their time in it, right? Moby is a much more three-dimensional personality and musician than people give him credit for. He's yeah. a very, very interesting guy. I enjoyed that episode. I did not enjoy that record. Yeah, that, and that's totally <laughs> fine. And he's he's a very interesting guy. He's a very, very likable guy. He is... a a really ambitious musician and sometimes he's a fucking goofball I totally get that and some of his music is unlistenably fucking corny I absolutely get that I was just glad that it gave people an opportunity to appreciate that he was a person that came from a background not just of like Harlem and R&B and hip hop and stuff but also of punk rock he was a big punk rock fan and he did something he completely uttered this totally non-commercial album on the back of a career that at the time was looking like being a commercial success and I respect that it's, it's stupid but I love that about it it was it it's showed, punk as fuck it's punk as fuck and it showed his genuine sincerity he was not there just to make fucking loads of money he was actually like I love making music and it coincided with loads of money and it became lame whatever anyway I'm glad people Hopefully listen to that and appreciate Moby as a decent human being and an interesting guy, albeit, yeah, he's got a lot of shit to uh, music to his name. Blonde Redhead <laughs> versus LaRue. Please. <laughs> please, um, please choose correctly. I'm surprised you didn't go with Junyards either, but... <clears throat> Junyards I couldn't really give a fuck about. Um, <laughs> Junyards, I think, is a really good album, but see, actually, during the process of doing that episode, I became less and less sympathetic to it. It was like me and AFI, to be honest. It was the same same kind of thing. Different kind of vibe, but, you know, the same kind of feeling. The more I listened to Tune Yards, the more I became aware of that 
stealing a lot. <laughs> yeah, the more it became the elephant in the room of the cultural appropriation aspect yeah. of it. episode was really an exercise in like can I get past it and yeah. uh, after we'd really looked at it I've, I don't think I've listened to that album once since then yeah um, I actually put one of the songs on my work playlist because I liked it that much I mean I think it's a good album but I don't think I can listen to it devoid of context and I mm. think that's really really crucial um, so no Juniors wasn't in there um, LaRue I fucking love that album and I love that album in the light of the Carly Rae Jepsen episode because that episode, I, in fairness, a couple of the Carly Rae Jepsen tunes have slightly grown on me, but in context, there's 80 odd people involved in that process. And as I said in that episode, LaRue, that first album was literally a guy and a girl in a room making some fucking tunes. And they're not by any means the greatest fucking tunes ever written, mm-hmm. but there are some absolute bangers. And not only the singles, but there's some great album tracks. think the sheer accomplishment the fact that they are even mentioned in the same breath as artists who had 80 odd fucking people and tens of millions spent on them is astonishing and I know we're not Unsung is meant to be somewhat objective and not necessarily involved in context and I I accept that I got drawn too much into that during the Carly Rae Jepsen episode, I got too involved in the context and a little bit maybe hypocritical as regards just the objective quality of the music but I can't shake the admiration I have for how amazing what LaRue achieved is, given that it was two people. I really think it's astonishing. And I think it will endure. I know Dave made a point about the Carly Rae Jepsen episode being like, the, the album, sorry, being like an album that's looked back on fondly. I really do think that LaRue album will be an album that to some extent endures and its origins will facilitate that rather mm. than hinder it. But I'm not going to put that forward. Blonde Redhead, 23. I really was incredibly disappointed this didn't get in. I think it's a masterpiece. I think 23 is the greatest combination of pop sus meeting a band that came up the hard way through the art rock scene, through the alternative scene, playing tiny venues to nobody and then blossomed into this brilliant euphoric produced but not overproduced uh, amalgam of all these different influences I really genuinely think 23 is it's one of my top 10 albums of all time But it didn't get in So that is absolutely Categorically my, my, my submission That's fair I thought that was going to be the case as well So Cool David you know <sighs> Been tough I worked out that it was a choice between Your codename is Milo Iron Maiden Carly Rae Jepsen Soundgarden 
and corn. Just the five. And I <laughs> just the five rejections. <laughs> and I truly just wish that was a bill on a festival. I would go and see that like absolute fuck. No, can Holy it, can, hang shit. on, hang on. Can I illustrate that? Do you remember mm-hmm. when Aphex Twin used the cameras to project yeah, his yeah, face yeah. onto the crowd? It would just be me. Can you imagine a festival of just Dave Weavers? <laughs> yeah. So I'm gonna discount Carly. Why? Do you tell? I don't know. I I think I'm going to have to go because I truly think that it is an excellent record. Okay. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I don't want to put in another record by this band. Okay. I uh, I'm going to go with Bad Motorfinger by Soundgarden. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. I, That's I, a Beezer. I, it's a really fucking great album I was expecting and Maiden I, I was expecting yeah, Maiden Yeah I was A toss up between that and Maiden I, I didn't go Corn Because I might put Life is Peachy in uh, At yeah, some I point was, that, I was expecting Corn, But then <laughs> we had the whole conversation About Life is Peachy And that really Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I really like I do really like Issues I'm not taking it back I think it's a great record But uh, I think the first two records Are We could do And we could probably do Life is Peachy Bad Motorfinger I'm um, and in fact, it was listening to um, Helmet uh, that made me go back to uh, Soundgarden and appreciate it more because I was just like, this is this is providing me with the melody that I want. It's providing me with the more interesting riffs. It's providing me with the progressiveness that I did, wasn't getting from the Helmet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, fuck, yeah, I'm going to put Bad Motorfinger in. And you can't, you know, it's a great record. So, and, it was, really uh, and that was yeah. that was in a mixtape that was uh, up against two other really good records. <sighs> really so good records. Know. Yeah, I mean, it's like did Hole win that one? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Superfuzz Big Muff by any standards should be in this. I mean, Superfuzz Big Muff as well is an amazing album. All three records picked were really good. You know that as regards Soundgarden, Bad Motorfinger, I'm okay with it. I don't think it's the best or even close, but. I think all three of the records in that mixtape were really, really strong. So yeah, I, I, no problems. Yeah, cool. Uh, what was our next question then? So, so yeah, 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 yeah. So um. The third question. No, who I can't remember who submitted this, but it, yeah, it, it is the what was the most interesting research or Wikipedia factoid discovered during the process of an episode? So who wants to go first? Mister David Weaver should go first. Well, do you know what? I was just I just loved the entire episode of Devon Townsend. <laughs> How good was that? I thought the entire every every fact loved- and research of that was great. Listening to it was great as well. Strapping yeah. the lad was so much fun. I, loved- I, I even said that. I was like, this is probably the most I've enjoyed an episode in a long time. I think I'm going to have to agree with that because it wasn't only, it was only recently that I found there's a playlist that he's made on his Spotify, <laughs> which is just the most fucking so weird odd. thing in the world. He sent me yeah, that. It's yeah. fucking insane. <laughs> it looks like somebody was deranged. Yeah. It's got himself on it, right? It's just weird as fuck anyway. You put yourself anyway. on it, but then you put on like the, was it the Pussycat Dolls or yeah, something? Yeah, it's like 
This is so bizarre, man. Yeah. So I just I felt that he was just an entire fucking rabbit hole to go down. Uh, you know, we talked about like Zeltoid the Omniscient. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the sock puppet one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just overall, uh, yeah. There's there are too many bits to pick, really. But um, I don't know. What was, what was the factoid though? Is there anything in that in particular? In speci- oh, I don't know specifically. I think you just go back and listen and pick your own. I, just love that all together. For me, my favourite was uh, on the Moby episode when I found out that Ash had made a slasher film <laughs> on tour and that Moby is in it and so is fucking Dave oh, Grohl. Yeah, is that true? Yeah. That's true. And it's still not being shown. Um, no way, what? Yeah, uh-huh. So when they were doing a tour back in 2002, they brought a, a filmmaker called Jed Shepard out with them. They decided to make a tour documentary, which is also a slasher film called Slashed. <laughs> this, is in, this is in this episode, right? And uh, it's for, like the main characters are FBI agent Sherbert Bones, played by Chris Martin. FBI agent. What, that, Chris Martin? Yep. FBI agent. What da- the? F- this da- guess, the, the, wait a minute, I guess we guess better. FBI agent Dasson Ford, played by Johnny Buckland, who's also in Coldplay. Dave Grohl as hysterical Dave Grohl. <laughs> Moby as himself Tim Wheeler as himself The guys in Ash as himself James Nesbitt as himself Chris Cabara from James fucking, Nesbitt? He's, he's fucking in it, yeah It's just an utterly bizarre thing, man It's also got members of the hi- the hives and the vines in it the, and all that you know, what, the, you, know, just, you know that thing where you've been like On this ish And you have like a really weird dream And you wake up and you're like my god like how were you last night I'm like I'm, I'm alright but I had this dream where like two members of Coldplay Dave Grohl James <laughs> Nesbitt Ash were in like a slasher Moby. movie Moby it was like my god man you need to stay off the Sambuca you need to stay off the fucking <laughs> the, cheese the man the thing is like I said like the film was never finished and it's, it was never it's never been released some of it's been released online but it was could incomplete, the Unsung so. Podcast start a petition to get them to release that Oh no, because it's not finished. So. No, no, but the I first mean, part's on YouTube. The second part is apparently fucking nowhere to be seen. So, so J- James yeah. Nesbitt from Lucky Man. Yeah, that James Nesbitt, the Northern so Irish are, actor. Are we really like? Uh, he's not Northern Irish. He's Republic of Ireland, isn't he? I'm pretty sure he's Northern Irish. Oh no, I think he's like a Dubliner. The same thing, mate. What's the difference? <laughs> What's the difference? Oh, God, he, he is from Northern Bally Ireland. Like, yeah. Holy God, shit! God save the Queen. I almost thought he's from <laughs> Republic. Of Why Ireland, don't we? It's also got Matt Sharp in it as God. <laughs> Matt Sharp. Matt Sharp. Not Pat Sharp. Matt Sharp. Who's from, Matt Sharp? From Weezer. Weezer. There's no Weezer basis. Fuck Matt off. Sharp. He's God. You've been taking mushies. <laughs> That's actually like, true. Seriously, like, can we not start a petition to, to actually see this film? To see this film? Yeah. Could we do that? Yeah, probably. Let's do it. Can we do it? I, we should do that. That is ridiculous. Okay. Nobody knows about that. That's 2019's yeah. also, uh, project. A, a side, a kind of side fact, which I found out in the Highway episode, is uh, Betty was recorded at Power Station Studios in Hell's Kitchen in New York. Betty by Helmet. Yeah, yeah. which is owned by uh, Tony Bongiovanni. Who is oh, a, who is a cousin of John Bon Jovi? John bon Jovi. <laughs> really? That's interesting. That's not nearly as good as that film. That yeah, it's not about. as good as that. That film is crazy, man. We need to do a petition. That would be brilliant. I, I really want to see that. So, yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah. But it was never finished, so who knows what it's like. Fuck. Chris, you know, what's your fact? Does Rick McMurray from Ash not live in Edinburgh? Uh, yeah, I think he does. I think he does. I think he was petitioning his house. Yeah. He'll just go knocking his door. <laughs> petitioning his face. <laughs> Christoph, what's your fact? Uh, I, do you know what? I actually did have a specific fact that I forgot about. Can I, can I just rewind? Uh, in my research, and we didn't talk about it, but Devin Townsend actually told, in an interview, said what he earned earned a year and Metal Sucks I think it was or Metal Injection talked about it and he said that he made about $5,000 a month 
before taxes. Fuck so me. He's, he, at this point, and like the whole, there was a whole article about how you think he's a successful musician who has made it. You know, he's you know headlines metal festivals and stuff like that. But he's earning sixty thousand dollars a year before taxes and. You know, twenty five years into his career, so that's it's kind of like that's, that's a full time wage. I I would not give a fuck. Like that's yeah. that's sort of the wage of like a, that's middle management wage. Like yeah, in, no, a, in America, middle. I think in America that's pretty much the median wage. No, in the United States. no, no, it's not. It's not. I mean, the median wage over here is like twenty four and a half. Yeah. I think it's like 30 grand in America So you're talking 30 Yeah yeah You're talking 30 The US so that's like Oh a- Whoa Chris Cusack <laughs> US Census Bureau reported in September 2017 That real Oh well Real median household income Was 59,000 Household oh, Household is different Because yeah, it's pretty much yeah. two Multiple, Yeah yeah So you're talking about 30 grand I think Like in an American wage Per person Per adult Yeah so he's getting yeah. twice your average wage really. I mean but that's not ridiculous I mean yeah. if, you, if you were a, a low level surgeon a low level surgeon you'd be getting that I think the question is though is like Metal Socks are saying that he's not successful because he's only earning 60 grand a year like, I don't think they're saying that no, that's, the, that's no, exactly that what they when in the article they're like hey, can you imagine working for 20 years in the same job and only getting that wow okay I mean, so if, I, if my was job like, was playing music right. for 20 years, I think I'd yeah. be okay with that too. I feel really bad right now. <laughs> all, right, <laughs> all right, person that writes for a fucking blog. How much are you, you on 150 year? grand a year, right? <laughs> so, um, anyway. Okay, I, I have two facts. Uh, the lesser of those facts was that, I mean, there was any number of cool facts coming out of the Butthole Surfers episode. <laughs> I mean, the Butthole Surfers were, f- oh my God, what a fact machine. Crazy. Uh, the gig that they did in Trenton, New Jersey, with the ceiling going on fire. Yeah, and, and the him, bouncer. Him and threatening to set everybody set on the fire. Bouncer on fire. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the riot after the show. And uh, the, uh, the show they did as well at uh, Danceteria in New York City, where uh, Gibby ended up accidentally having sex with uh, <laughs> their dancer. Um, we found himself between her legs with an accidental erection um <laughs> just fell into the two of them Honestly. just started getting off each other um that that stuff was great i mean the butthole surfers episode was so much fun because they're I, I mean they are a rock and roll band in the most cliched sense of that the fact i think was the most startling or the, the one that took me aback the most was uh the story during the bjork episode about um ricardo lopez who sent her a letter bomb Oh yeah Disguised as a book And I mean Bjork ended up Moving to Spain She was so traumatised She moved to this area Of Spain Kind of off the Off the grid Because she was so traumatised By this episode Uh, Lopez had sent her A bomb Disguised in a book That was disguised As a script for a film Didn't The the bomb didn't detonate It was tracked down After he had committed Really grisly suicide On video Which you can See on the internet well, you can't see it on the, the surface web, but you can definitely see it on the deep web. And also, I didn't realise at the time that we did the episode that apparently part of his reason for that reaction was because she had started dating Goldie and Goldie was black. And that was a, a motivating, or allegedly that was a motivating element. That, that that part of that episode really shocked me, I think. It really stayed with me. Yeah. Great. All right. Which brings us to uh, question four and the first part of this Christmas special. Mm-hmm. Well, again, I'm sorry, I can't remember who submitted this. Cat, mm-hmm. uh, what was the most oversung album of your year? Of the year, for me, it was. It's probably no, no, no. So does this mean that we talked about 
or does no. this mean this means generally like, album just, of the year most oversung uh-huh. like just event. people that has come out that's just, what I'm going to go with anyway yeah. so okay that's fine um, this probably says more about my friends than anything else but a lot of the people that I know really like the Vane record Error Zone the who? Vane um, can and you spell it? V-E-I-N Vane Really? I've, I don't know I've never heard that in my life. And a lot of the punk and hardcore press have been given a lot of props. Oh, let me get there. <laughs> uh, it's what Corn would sound like if they listened to hardcore and not hip hop. All oh, right, okay. Dave, are you in? Well, that's intriguing. <laughs> I kinda wanna listen now. It's it, don't get me wrong, it's got a lot of it's got a lot of elements in it which is like proper fucking like grindy hardcore, but there's a lot of new metal in it as well, which is just not for me. Wow, yeah. what a dream. Yeah, and, and it's been, it's, it's been has quite, it been well received? It's been very well received in the in the in the punk and hardcore press. This is year. this like when so. that fucking band Code Orange became really big? See, Code Orange are interesting. That that would have been if we, if we did this last year. That would have been my record as well. Um, forever is a record which has a lot of really good ideas in it, but, but it also just it, sounds like new metal slam. Yeah, yeah, they, totally, ended, yeah. they ended up playing it in WWE. Yeah, they, they played after Black Seam Tune at NXT TakeOver. There's a few good songs on it, but there's also songs on it which are basically grunge songs and it's just a total fucking weird record. Like, I don't understand it at all. I remember fucking, Co- they're on Roadrunner, people fucking love it as well. I don't get it. I, I remember, f- nah. I literally remember no. recently Code Orange playing the 13th Note in Glasgow, which is like a basement DIY punk crust venue. And Code Orange playing that, and yeah. then next thing you're watching them in WWE.com. Yeah, a, they're on Roadrunner. Support quite big bands now. Um, really odd. They released a released an EP slash single this year, and the lead single on it has got Corey Taylor in it. So I kind of tells you everything you need to know. <laughs> Corey um, Taylor. Yeah. So that. that's probably for like in the terms of the music that I listen to, that's probably my most oversung record of the year. Even though, even though I appreciate not a lot of people have heard it, it's probably quite unsung in that sense. No, that's interesting. That's a but, good one. I've never um, heard of Vane, but yeah, there you go. Thank you. What about yours, Christopher? David, this will be hard to believe, but I have a few records that I think are oversung. Oh, really? No way. <laughs> Wait, is one of them Idols? No, but I didn't think of them. That was, that, was, that was one of the ones um, that I was also going to put in. No, like, I, okay, so Idols are a band that caused a little bit of a strop on my Facebook during a couple of comments. It's because they're basically gallows, but newer. So Idols are a band from Bristol, but the thing the thing about Idols is that I think Idols musically are very overrated, but at the same time, Idols, um, Idols in terms of their approach are commendable. Idols spent a fair time in Bristol and the surrounding area building up a real reputation they did it the hard way I don't think musically they're anything they're, they're the next, the second coming but I do think and respect their approach to it and it's sort of it's weird I can't quite make up my mind about it because I have friends on both sides of this equation I respect and I'm happy that a band that worked hard and did things the right way inverted commas have done well but I also I'm not in any way overwhelmed by their music so I think it's extremely derivative and it, it relies as do many bands now uh, in the second wave of like slacker rock noise rock 
It relies on the ignorance and naivety of a generation of people that think this is the first time this has been done and haven't taken the time to research the bands that these bands often quite blatantly plagiarise. Yeah, that's the privilege of being a little bit older. I remember Cherubs, I remember all these like obscure noise rock bands like Shorty and all these bands. And so this all seems like old hat to me, but... I don't know, I can't quite make up my mind about that. Idols are not on that list. Um, bands that I do think are grossly overrated, especially on recent pr- uh, output, The National. I think The National are a fucking dirge. Not a fan either. I always thought the National were very dull. Then at one point, I kind of they clicked with me. There was I don't know, I can't remember one of the records clicked with me about a year ago. They had I was one, like they had one. Oh, record. that's actually pretty good. Uh, and then I gave this new album a go, and I liked it at first, and then I thought it was dull again. So yeah, yeah, I had a small flirtation with the National, and it's gone again. So don't yeah. worry. I'm exactly the same, man. I thought like there was like stuff like Alligator that I thought was oh, that's, that's all right, and there were a couple of singles that came out. I was like, it's okay, and then it, it, is it Boxer or something like that? Anyway, yeah, yeah, they're a weird band. It's weird that another band that are on this list for me, Bon Iver, the National, I very much class with them in the sense that they could only exist in an era where indie rock was so banal that you actually found that sort of music inspiring. Like I think they are incredibly pedestrian really morose and kind of white guy introverted uh, uh, it just it just there's nothing happening there Except, I do believe though that it came out last year so yeah it did I mean <laughs> no, no 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 but hang on hang on most of rated albums was not by any means narrowed down to this year it's just oh me. I thought we were talking about this year that, that's what I thought just, we talked yeah. just recent thought, memory no but I thought we confirmed this before we started the question yeah. there <laughs> I said was it to do with Oh well, I mean, obviously I've got a million others, but two, I I, two, I like the idea of it being of this year. Two points here. First uh-huh. of all, I edit the episode, so if I'm wrong, uh, I'll cut out the bit that well, proves I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and secondly, no, but no, just in recent, really recent memory, stuff that we've not had a chance to address. Bonavera, the National, I just think are two examples of this really mediocre. Alternative I disagree indie. with you on Bonavera. I think the second record is fucking fantastic for, for Emma. No, Bonavera. Okay. For Emma's first record. Okay. I or think Forever Ago. Yeah. Yeah, Forever Ago. I, th- I think um, For Emma's a decent that's record. That's a really lovely record. I, it's not, it's got some beautiful moments to it. It's not, I don't think it's a cl- Sparks perfect as good as album. Done, man. But I, I think Bon Iver, the second album, is really, really good when he was like fucking about with some 80s synths. Mm. Um, he sounds like Phil Collins. Yeah. It's really good, but uh, I do have to say the third record. I it's got some nice moments on it, but some really shite. Well, stuff that's the one well. I'm talking about, yeah. yeah. And I think that's gash. Um, uh, two other albums that I think are like grossly, grossly overstated are uh, one of Trix's one of Trix Point Never's most recent album.
which is obscenely style over content. Like, no, there's some incredible moments in that. <sighs> oh, there's some, there's bits in that that are so good. Just noises that you're like, where the fuck noises. does that come from? Cool noises. Are you, do you like One Old Tricks Point Never? Do you like his previous stuff? To some extent, yeah. I was really intrigued by the potential for One Old Tricks Point Never, but I think a bit like Hacks and Cloak, it's something that's grossly underachieved. Given I like Hacks and Cloak. It's fine. I... It's hype. Mm. Mm. It's electro hype. It's not. Well, it, see, the, my 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 problem with those bands is they're very cerebral, and there is nothing about them that appeals in any other physical level. Like they are, they are purely a cerebral process of like, oh, this is clever. That's no, no, no. The, I I think they are a musically aesthetically wonderful act. He makes noises that are really fucking interesting to hear. He's not making songs. It's it's not a sound effects album, man. It's a, it's an album. Yeah, but it's an ambient experimental thing. It's not. You're not it's, going in there looking for a hit single. You're going in there. You don't listen to Brian Eno going. Oh, where's the hook? <laughs> no, but that's you know you are listening to sounds. And what I think that album has some fucking incredible sound. I on think it. Wonder Tricks is a, is a masterstroke in marketing from that kind of esoteric world of electronic music, where it where it basically just implies that it's above your level of understanding, and therefore it markets itself on the basis of, hey, we are amazing and cutting edge, and you just don't get it. And there is nothing about Wonder Tricks's records that in any way has any longevity in terms of like recreational listening. I think you're wrong. I think you just don't like it. I'm just putting that out there. <laughs> Another one that falls into that category, Thundercat. I haven't heard Thundercat yet. What the no, fuck is Thundercat that? has some amazing what stuff. Is that? I mean, you don't like jazz or hey. funk or black music <laughs> so that, first of all we established that Mark is the only one that doesn't like black people okay? <laughs> look Thundercat how many black records have I, you got thick phone I have Thundercat <laughs> I really like Thundercat and I love the stuff that that whole scene with Flying Lotus uh, with Kendrick Lamar and everything around that because there's just some incredibly interesting things coming out there if you are a jazz head or an R&B head that you can just fucking geek out on. I will also admit that there is some unbelievably extreme noodling with Thundercat. It's when he so writes beige. No, when he writes songs, they're fucking great. When he goes off on a big jazz wank, it's very impressive, but it gets very tedious. Thundercat is that it's that kind of retrospective attempt to appreciate the legacy of Stevie Wonder via a medium that's contemporary uh, elements of electronica and uh, whatever. You're going to fucking love Black Messiah by D'Angelo. <laughs> it is so fucking gaunt in terms of good songs. Like when no, you, that's, when, that's when, not true. When, I mean, maybe if you're thinking about when Thundercat does his, you know, much more mainstream poppy stuff, there are artists out there that are doing the Stevie Wonder stuff and mainstream pop stuff very well. Thundercat 
when he does that, he does that. But when you listen to his record or you go and see him live, he's a progressive jazz fusion artist. He's not trying to be Stevie Wonder. He is building on 30, 40, 50 years of West Coast jazz. And he comes from an incredibly talented pool of musicians there. And they're doing absolutely fucking mental things within jazz. You're looking at him and hearing his pop stuff. For me, he adds really nice hooks into this mad fucking jazz. Okay. He's not a pop artist at all. Okay, I will concede. The problem with Thundercat is that I'm really alienated by the stuff from that record that gets the constant... It gets the play, yeah. The play, and I find it really... If you listen to the record as a whole, those pieces of music are oasis of calm amongst these fucking mad jazz fusion prog outs and you've got like a 75 minute record or you've got a double album that you're just like holy fuck I don't know what's going on this is some of the most ridiculously incredible musicianship happening in the world right now and then he comes in and he puts in this you know four minute single and as part of his overall work it works perfectly I can see how you could see only hearing that you think oh that's a bit beige but he's using that as a touch point throughout everything else that he does. You know what, that's really interesting, right? Because I will I will revisit it purely in the strength of that rebuttal. Um, I think it's just interesting, though, perhaps that the marketing then of that album has resided so much on these very sparse moments. Yeah, I think what's happened because is... Because I have not... But we'll put it... I have not seen that album in the light that you've represented which by the way is a light that I would be much much more Mm -hmm. inclined to appreciate what I have received from that album is like a series of really mild and unremarkable well I think what you've got is a record label there that are seeing the success of Kendrick Lamar and to a lesser degree the success of Flying Lotus and they've gone right Thundercat is part of that he's got some hooks in there let's take that and sell that to the Pitchfork audience but what you've also got is he's been, you know, an incredible jazz musician to like chin strokey jazz people for like 10, 15 years. I didn't know that at all. Um, and I totally understand because I went to see Thundercat and the ABC before it burned down. Yeah. Sold out <laughs> gig. And the problem for me was like some of it was unbelievably Too far madly, out. so yeah. far out. Yeah. But what I fucking loved was that there were 1,400 people in there watching progressive jazz fusion. That's, and they were all drawn in there by these like pop songs and I would say 800 of the folk in there were like, what the actual fuck is this? So, you know what? In a weird way, that's a really nice facet of this podcast because hopefully people that are on the same page as me, much like me, will now be inspired to go and like... And yeah, I can send out. you a couple of yeah. like, no, I mean, really interesting like, I'll literally just things. listen to the full thing because all I've done is dip in and out of that. Mm-hmm. I've been really unimpressed, but I've been dipping in and out at the reference points and the reference points have really underwhelmed me. So really, maybe it's a case of I have been misguided. Maybe based on the marketing. Yeah, anyway, it could be. Sorry, allow me to just cut to the chase here. None of those fuckers were my overrated artist. My my overrated artist is way more contentious. Slayford Mods. <laughs> the smell of piss is so strong it smells like decent bacon. Kevin's getting footloose on the overspill under the piss station. Two pints destroyer on the cobble floors. No amount of whatever is going to chirp the chip. I have never heard them. Cannot fucking stand this band. Slifford Mods. This entire podcast has been an excuse for you to get to this moment. Fifty-two hasn't it? weeks of fucking tension, waiting for the chance to like to vent on the 
absolute banality of this band this two-piece band where one member is like this pseudo contemporary working class poet and this other guy is hitting the space bar on a fucking apple mac whilst drinking a can of skull i cannot fucking get how this band had any more than one album's longevity i get the novelty value of the fact that they're doing some kind of like working class fucking commentary mate fucking jeremy corbyn fucking fuck the tories oh fucking welfare state i get all that shit but this band are beyond the joke and the problem is they're 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 affiliated with invada which is Beak, which is like Jeff Barrow, Portishead, the Drive soundtrack, so many other things that I love. That gives them a a level of credibility as well. I do not get the musical appeal of this fucking Emperor's New Clothes bullshit. I mean, when you read the rhetoric around Slayford Mods, the enemy hyperbole about how they're the most punk band, the Guardian, the Independent, the Observer, titillated at the fact that there's a band talking about Jeremy Corbyn and left-wing politics. When you get into the position where you're excited about the fact that there's a band ranting about the state of the NHS, you forget that they are a photocopy of a photocopy of a photocopy of, of bands like Nitzereb from like the 80s. Proper electro alternative combination cross pollination bands doing this post punk, almost like musical poetry meets industrial thing. I mean, there is no edge whatsoever to Slayford Mods. They are so banal, and it is a, a, a contemporary consensus of people that buys their career. This notion that somehow a band exists that is doing anything edgy, they are absolutely not. Trite sound bites vaguely leftist politics and they have a guy who his ironic sense of performance is to hit space bar and start a track and then drink a working class lager in the background and his name is like Andrew Fern Whitley Guffington oh my god it's 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 an absolute testament to how badly the notion of punk rock has deteriorated that this band is in any way seen as cutting edge i cannot understand it they should have lasted for one album and they should have been cool for one album it it makes sense but for any more than one album it's a symptom of a scene that is devoid of any real rebellion it is completely anemic slayford mods could only exist in an entirely anemic punk rock scene and they they cater to an audience that is so easily satisfied it fucking kills me. Mm. It really does. You okay? Does that feel better? No. Is that like <laughs> the weird euphoria after a big vomit? <laughs> Stop quoting Chris you, Morris. You needed to get that out. <laughs> well, this is like Chris Morris is the fucking example of when anti-establishment mm. politics and satire was relevant and... Slayford mods underline how far we've fallen. Of that, that a good song. I liked a song called uh, You're Brave. It yeah. had a little uh, sample of a machine gun in it and it goes, You're brave. Good for uh, them. My favourite line in that was Chawamba Wamba weren't political, they were just crap. Which is weirdly Ooh, well done. Uh, pressing about themselves. Yeah, exactly. That's that is the thing. Like when you look through the history of left wing politics and music, Slayford mods are the most uninspiring example. Like, even fucking Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan is like a trite 
establishment example of music now. If somebody says to you, what kind of music do you like? Bob Dylan, left swipe. You know, I mean, it is that kind of patter. But Bob Dylan was edgy compared to Slayford Mods. And Slayford Mods are out there catering to an audience that's already established, saying things that are safe. Who the fuck cares about this band? There is nothing edgy. Go on YouTube, type in Neetzer Ebb, watch Neetzer Ebb play and see any number of performances that eclipse this entire band's career. Corbynism in itself is a lame parody of left-wing politics. It's a toothless, sort of resigned stance. And oh, Slayford Moyes just summed that up for me. They were so totally relevant to now. If anything represents the massive overhaul of thinking in the left-wing, <laughs> it's this <laughs> shitty... I love it when Chris gets angry. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm so glad we've not done a, a and you know loads We're gonna of have to split this into about five episodes now. <laughs> a number of my friends who I, I love to bits love this band. I love these guys. People like <laughs> <laughs> You love them. Well, Margaret Margaret Thatcher. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> people people like uh Kapil Sishasai, mm-hmm. right? Kapil is doing one of the most interesting projects in Glasgow right now, okay? But Kapil loves this fucking, fucking band. He fucking does, it's true. He loves this band, and as much as I love Kapil and everything he's doing is interesting, this band are the antithesis of what he's doing. <laughs> and bless the guy, because he's awesome, but this band are shit, and they need to fuck off. Okay, done. Pro too. Okay. Uh, well, my most overrated. Okay, they was all me. Yeah, it was all you. Yeah. Last year or two, uh, I'm going to say the 1975. Whoa. Yeah. David, is that just the band that everybody's been tweeting us about for about four weeks? <laughs> uh, well, that's the album of this year that I just don't fucking get because it's like I made. I even made a meme about it. Yeah. Did you see it, guys? Yeah, your meme went viral. I know. I was pretty chuffed with it. They are fucking hot garbage. Go, They've always been hot garbage. You go through different levels and it's like, oh, you don't like the 70, 1975. Are you just trying to be cool? Because in actual fact, they are actually very good. They're, it's like, no, I don't like the 1975 because I have ears. <laughs> you know what? The 1975 are what's happening when people look back at NXS and are like, can we do NXS without yeah. any tunes? My best friend. That's how I think Mc- yeah, I sound <laughs> <laughs> My my best friend, and he's the man that has my name tattooed on his arm. And Is it me? We started a musical <laughs> podcast. David, hang on, and- I'm gonna, hang on. I went to check my arm. <laughs> no, no, it's, I'm it's not me. To- Ali McRae, uh, he fucking loves the new 1975 album. He's an idiot. Yeah, but I'm afraid this is a bad album. I really like Ali. He's a top he's guy. A top guy. But yeah. he's an idiot. <laughs> uh, Sorry, Ali. So I'm going to put that forward. I mean, I've got lots of others. I fucking hate LCD Sound System. I think they're boring. Like, fucking as oh, yeah, man. Fucking oh, they are I so too, man. dull. Every, oh my god. Every time I every time I hear like a song, Why? I go, "Oh, what's yeah. this? Beige 90s." <laughs> 80s dance that sounds like a German fart. (laughs) 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 (laughs)
And then I go, oh, who is that? And they're like, oh, it's LCD sound system. I'm David, like, oh, David. especially your damn electro music. Yeah, it like, fucking <laughs> is. It's fucking. Hang on, hang on, guys. This is a beautiful moment uh-huh. because all three of us feel the same. Yes, <laughs> fusion, because, Captain Planet. He's so fucking old now as well. Like, it's here's, like, the, here's the oh. thing, right? Night, like, like 1975. Fucking well, hell. The same band. Yeah. Right? yeah. Um, LCD Sound System have. A tremendous song called "Dance Yourself Clean," and it's. The, I'm not gonna lie; they've got like two or three like great right. songs, and they, they have they have a couple of great tunes. But the euphoria and re- I mean, fucking headlining, fucking Primavera, all this bullshit. It is absolutely ridiculous that a band that plays that fucking dad electro <laughs> bullshit dad, totally dad electro is, 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 yeah. is, is that level of prominence yeah, it's like somebody's taken the edge off hot chip <laughs> 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 well, you can just fuck off <laughs> and I knew a boy from Eton um, yeah I mean Anyway, I think that, that should be the end of this episode. That's like brilliant. We've, we've nailed that. I'd just like to say that uh, it's been really good to have everybody listen to this episode. I know that after the band <laughs> you've just spoken about, you're probably not going to listen ever again. Um, them's the breaks, kids. <laughs> when the booze kicks in, it all gets loose. Um, yeah, we're going Dave's to do... Dave's still sober. <laughs> That's why he wants to go. That's oh why God. you and me are happy to keep going. Like, David may drop out for part two, but... <laughs> I'll just send you my notes. <laughs> Uh, we'll do impressions Jamaican impressions of Dave <laughs> um, yeah thanks uh, see you guys next week for some more hilarity part two right. of the but Christmas we're just special we're going to start straight away so off and on again although you probably need to piss again don't you Chris yes 